This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts... Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey and thank you for joining us this morning. I've been doing the Smart Investing Show here in local uh, local radio here in San Diego for 28 years. Now, if you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or looking at buying, selling, or holding, give us a call at 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. And that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Chase, good morning. Good morning. We got a lot of things to cover today. We got to take phone calls today, as always, and uh, uh, Facebook as well. We're on Facebook, and we got uh, Harrison, our financial planner, calling in with some great topics. So, a lot to do today. Uh, the two hours just goes by so quickly. I know. I was going to say the same thing. It's like, gosh, two hours. I'm glad we extended that extra hour. You know? Yes, yes. <laughs> and and uh, you're a linebacker coach for Poway High Varsity, the defensive coordinator for JV. So congratulations last night on a great win against Mount Carmel. Yeah, it was it was just good to have some football back. You know, I mean, th- these kids just have been completely screwed out of a, a good situation we've been at practicing for what nine months uh, i think we've been practicing now since uh april or may of last year and you know it's like okay so we'll have season because this is all gonna be over by then and then okay so now we're gonna play six games okay now we're gonna play maybe one game okay that's not happening and then finally we 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 actually got to play a game last night yeah. so that was awesome <laughs> and, it, and it felt Almost normal, a little bit cold because it's you know I think it gets down to like forty five or fifty five at, at night now, not like in the fall. Uh, but also too, I do miss all the kids and the craziness that they do and stuff at the games. It's it's uh, and the announcer. I don't know, it's just uh, Mount Carmel, but you couldn't hear the announcer or was not on the visitors. I think they need a new speaker. <laughs> Something it was, it was terrible, but uh, and no band playing. Uh, did have cheerleaders there? I was glad to see the cheerleaders. Yeah. So yeah. But, I, uh, like I said, it's just kind of nice to have a, a little normalcy there, even though. It, we were the last state to start playing high school football, and I don't like to get political on the show. I try uh-huh. not to, but this is just something that irks me is that, oh, we're following the science, we're following the science. Well, the science shows that 49 <laughs> states have played, <laughs> and we're the last one playing. Yeah, and I didn't see any deaths of football players uh, in high school, so I I, yeah. I, I know. I just, and, I, again, I feel bad for the kids, and actually my other son, Nash, who's a senior in high school, is last year playing football, and it's been – very difficult for him and the other seniors and other football players, but uh, hopefully they'll get through it. And I, I would like to see, come on, loose up a little bit. Let let kids in and, and have fun. And, you know, I mean, you know, last year, and I'll move on after this, but last year with the kids, they can run through the tunnel. and It's all great and have all the kids yelling and screaming. And a little bit subdued with the parents, just the parents, because we get, well, I think, four parents. Yeah. Going, yeah. So, anyways. Let's move on. To finance. We're not a football show. Yeah, I know. As much as I, I love not. football. But it, but it was fun to watch. And yeah. I woke up this morning like, ah, oh, you, you know, feel happy for you guys. So uh, a lot of different things to talk about. Um, you know, I, I, I'm wondering, well, I, I, I'm hesitating. Oh, 
It's okay. Brandon's pick up the phone. So he won't hear us talk about <laughs> Tesla <laughs> because uh, Tesla, the Wall Street Journal recently pointed out that Tesla's market share uh, is declining due to tough competition. We've talked about this for months that, you know, GM, Mercedes, Audi, all these companies are not just sitting back saying, oh, let, let Tesla do it. Uh, the Mustang, and I was surprised at this, the Mustang Mach-E, which I don't like, but that did account for 12% of all electric vehicle sales in the U.S. as Tesla saw its market share fall to 69% in February versus 79% of all of 2020. Yeah, I mean, I like you, I was kind of blown away by the, the Mach-E having that type of sale. I I don't know. I, I guess maybe it's grown on me a little bit more. I saw another picture of it yesterday. I was like, not something I would still buy, but it, it, it still looks nice. And it's only going to get more and more competitive. That's why it, it just blows my mind that Tesla has this, this type of valuation uh, because, well, as more and more competition comes in, their sales might increase slightly in terms of their total volume, but I think their right. market share, where that was the hope, okay, we're going to electric cars and Tesla, hey, they're the only electric car company out there, right? They're going to sell all the electric cars. <laughs> That's why they're so valuable. And people are going, oh, they're a technology company. No, they're not. They're a car company. Uh, and, you know, the thing I'm thinking here is, well, you know, we know GM's coming out with that Hummer next year. I mean, that thing is awesome. I yeah. think that thing's so cool. It kind of crawls sideways or something. Yeah, the crab walk is what crab it's walk. called. Yeah. And then I know, I know Cadillac's got a nice uh, kind of crossover coming out next year that, that looks very nice as well. I, I just think that you're going to see that 69% continue to decline as more and more entrants enter the field. I mean, you saw what happened in Europe that, that you know, Volkswagen is now the, the premier player there, and other car companies have the ability to create electric vehicles. Right. And and then, and, then, and then I bought a new Cadillac Escalade a few months ago. Uh, beautiful car. Loved it. But in the beginning, it was getting me sick, and I didn't know why. It's not fully autonomous, but it's partly. And what it was doing, there was this lane avoidance, and I would try to change lanes because I wanted to, and the car wouldn't let me do it. And it was kind of like, it is making me dizzy because I think I'm going that direction. I'm not. So it, it's just amazing what is coming up with these cars. And, and again, Tesla is a great car. It's not yeah. a bad car. But as an investor goes, you can't pay unlimited amounts for that uh, business because competition can destroy other businesses. And I don't think Tesla would be destroyed, but I think they could see a decline in the excitement as other cars come out with exciting uh, car manufacturers come out with exciting cars and so forth. I, I do a mention. I see we've got a couple callers holding. Uh, just to let you know in the beginning of the show, they could be new, that we, we generally talk for like 15, 20 minutes about things going on. So I just want you know if you're on hold, uh, please be patient with us. We, we will get to you. I don't want people to think we're ignoring them. But, uh, yeah, it, it's just something that competition was one thing we knew would hurt Tesla. And I think they're down – I think they had a high like nine thirty. I think yeah. they had it on six thirty or something. So I think I saw them dip below the six hundred level mark briefly. I mean, it, it's it's definitely taken a, a hit as interest rates have have started to increase here, and uh, I I think the the worst is not over for, yeah. for Tesla. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about Apple because again we're we're seeing a change here, and I want to mention too something I was thinking about driving in, and and uh, I'll talk about Apple first, and. And, and I just want, you know, investors to, to know that, uh, you know, they think, oh, Apple's going to go to the moon. Oh, we've got to buy Apple. got to buy Apple with no reasoning behind it. Well, here are some words of caution for you. In 2015, Apple had EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization of $82 billion. Now, last year, it only increased or had only gone up to $86 billion. That is not a very big increase. What is it, like 1% per year? Yeah. I mean, it, it's not this huge growth machine and 
we are a proponent of stock buybacks. Yeah. Um, we, we think they are a good thing for the shareholder because it does increase your ownership. I mean, if you look at the earnings per share for Apple, that has climbed. Mm-hmm. But even with those buybacks, you're still paying 30 times earnings for the company. I mean, that that's not a good value. And, and the problem is if those share buybacks are now happening at a higher level, well, they're able to buy back less stock. Maybe they pull back on the share buybacks because all of a sudden, well, gosh, their stock's trading at 35 times earnings. That's not going to be a good value for the company. And if those analysts are projecting stock buybacks to be a, a component of that earnings per share growth, well, that's another problem because right. those estimates are going to be off. And seeing that just the true EBITDA, the net income I know we've talked about before as well, mm-hmm. that hasn't grown tremendously. You're not seeing a whole lot of operation growth for Apple. And I, I, I just... I think it's, oh, Apple, Apple, Apple. At some point, people are going to say, what? It's so big, it, it, it can't really grow much more. No. Yeah, and, and I, I heard talk, some uh, commentator on TV, oh, it's going to go to a $3 trillion market cap. Like, oh, gosh, things are getting really crazy because that is not going to happen. It, 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 it's, it's an impossibility. Now, someday, but not in the near future. And, and the thing, too, is, I, and I've seen this before, but I've known this for many years, and I've seen this before where companies buy back stock, buy back stock. They're way overpaying for it. So what's going to happen? They, they probably have shares they bought back at, we'll say, 120, 130. Stock takes a 20, 30% hit and goes down to 70 or 80. It's like now you, now you look like a fool because you bought that stock at a high price. And also, too, Apple for many years was a great value company. Yeah. Now it's kind of switched over into the growth category, but the growth isn't there. Yeah, it's, it's it's funny. As you said, it's a, it's a growth company with no growth. Right. You know, <laughs> and growth is in the numbers. Now we yeah. we did see because we did we did a post on this on uh, social media as well. Yeah, but they have uh, the medical thing coming out for the uh, for the watch or something. And, and the iCar, iCar, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like um, that is not going to produce. Now maybe someday produce some good earnings, but not in the near future. And this is what happens. It happened to tech boom and bust as well. Where eventually people say, why are we paying so much for this? And they wake up and they stop. Is this a time? Maybe, maybe not. But it sure appears that with the 10-year treasury hit, what, 1.71% on a Friday? That's not good for high-tech companies. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, I just think, I, I do kind of want to re- retract my statement that Apple's a, a growth company with no growth. I'm going to say a growth company with low growth. Low growth, <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I think they're still going to grow over time. But yeah. it's not going to be, it's going to be, I think, in the the mid to high single digit range. And I mean, if you're trading at 30 times earnings, you should be seeing growth. I'm going to say in excess of 15, maybe around 20%. If you're trading at a lofty multiple like that, and it's just, it's not the case. Yeah. Not, not, not the case at all. And, and again, if you're going to, you know, we don't like growth companies because you don't know what that growth is really worth and where that growth turns, it goes down. But again, if you are going to be investing in growth companies, you got to say, where's the growth? Yeah. You're too young to remember this. There was a thing from Wendy's. This little old lady goes, where's the beef? And a little, little patty on the big bun. Where is the growth for, for Apple? <laughs> so speaking of growth companies, uh, let's talk about famed investor. And, and actually, <clears throat> this woman, I think she's about my age. I think she's about 65. Yeah. I don't know where she's been for the last 45 years. Maybe she's like me. She's just managing money on a, on a smaller basis. Well, all of a sudden, she's some, you know, all over the place. She's quoted. <clears throat> and and I, I saw this happen in 87 and then in the, the tech moment bus, but fame investor Kat, Katie Woods uh, is encouraging. It's Kathy. Oh, Kathy? No, I had Katie down here. 
Oh, you know. Oh, you know what? I think because it's, she spells it not with a Y. Yeah. But I E. Yep. Okay, Kathy. Oh, she's one of those tricky ones with the names. Okay, it's a tough one. <laughs> Kathy Wood. Sorry uh, for the for the uh, mess up on the name. Uh, is encouraging investors to stay the course. Uh, the total of her funds has come to nearly sixty billion before the recent decline of thirty percent between February twelfth and March eighth. Uh, I did not watch her YouTube videos. I guess she has a lot of those out. They're probably more watched than ours are. Actually, I know yeah. they are. <laughs> but I've seen this happen before in the tech boom, and it was brokers. It was famed investors. Oh, stay the course. And that's funny. You talk to these people now. Like, yeah, I listen. I stayed the course. And I lost 50% of my money. Why didn't I get out when I knew I should have? Well, here's the same thing. Stay the course. Like, don't stay the course if you don't know what you got. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just something that uh... – People like to buy things that are exciting. I mean, you know, the the most popular ETF that they have is the the Arc Innovation. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's exciting! Innovation, <clears throat> innovation. You know, who wants a food company when you can buy innovation? <laughs> and I, I mean, the the issue here is you look at this this ETF. I mean, it is just so crazy in terms of what what is held. And I think Tesla used to occupy more, but what's happened? I think the stocks pulled back. <clears throat> But Tesla right now accounts for darn near 11% of the entire ETF. Then Square's about 6.5%. Teladoc, 5.6%. Roku, 5.6%. Uh, looking here as well, just another one. Uh, Zoom, 3%. Shopify, 3%. We've talked about all these different companies, and they are just so expensive. These are yeah. all growth companies. And if growth does not do well, you can stay the course with growth. But these companies, gosh, I, I mean – talked about tesla tesla could fall i think 50 percent. and you think oh that's crazy well it's already down what 30 33 percent 33 percent from the high i mean that is a huge decline and that's what's weighing on this etf if tesla continues to decline which i think is a very real possibility this etf is not going to do well and then oh stay the course well what are you going to be waiting for you're staying the course for a company like cisco that you bought at the peak in 2000 Stay the course. All right, we're not there yet. <laughs> Twenty-one years later, but we're getting close. <laughs> it just—it doesn't make sense to me. And um, you know, you could have brokers and advisors say, you know, that's one thing that irritates me too. Is, oh well, you know, I'm an advisor. I tell people that my job's to kind of hold their hand and tell them to stay the course. Well, why? Yeah, you're, why stay the course? <laughs> that, that's my question. You're holding their hand as you're both falling off the cliff. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, well, that's really going to do, do a lot. And and that's one thing I love about value investing. When we told people back in March and April, no, we're staying the course because this company is earning money. This company has cash flow, and we're only paying seven, eight times earnings for it. That's the difference. When you talk about a growth company, it's very hard. You have nothing to put your arms around saying, why should I stay the course? Because maybe this is the top. And we've talked many times in the show about the greater fool theory, which is, again, you're you're the fool for paying that price. And you hope there's someone out there that's more of a fool than you to buy that price. And sometimes there's not. And then it falls. And and I just hate that. When I saw that uh, article I read, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal, it just irritated me because I've seen so many investors lose money by staying the course just because somebody like a Kathy Woods or their broker or whoever didn't know any better. And again, that hand-holding thing, yeah, you're holding your hand and you're both going to drown together. I, I just hate that when I see stay the course with no backing behind it. And, I, you know, I, I'll give her credit for doing, I think, 100% or something last year. But you have to look at that and realize that she's not going to average 100% per <laughs> year. She might do 100% right. again in, you know, 15 years. 
I, that's a possibility. Yeah. yeah. But I just I think for the next 15 years, I don't think the <laughs> ETF is going to do well. <clears throat> and, and and we've done, <clears throat> excuse me, we, we've done very well over the last year as well. And I won't tell on air what we've done and so forth. But I talked to our clients and said, yes, we did X percent. It was very good. Don't expect it again. We, we told you in the beginning of the presentation, we generally do 8, 10, maybe 12% on average per year. So enjoy what we did last year. But uh, and, and again, I did very good back in uh, 2009. Did very good back in 2003. Did very good in, you know, 2000, uh, what are we in? 2020, 2021. So you have these periods, but you have to understand that's not the norm. And also when people come over to us now, we don't say, oh, yeah, we're going to do 50. We're going to do 100%. We say, no, we're going to do 8 10%. And by the way, it's going to take some time to get you invested because things are expensive now. So please, be patient with us. We're looking at managing the money for 3, 4, 5, 10 years, not doing real well over the next 3 to 4 months. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, and I'm debating if I want to talk about the real estate side, if I want to talk about investing in the banks. Do you have a preference? I think the banks. The banks. Let's do the banks. Because it was about nine months ago that we started talking on social media, TV, and the radio talking about investing in banks when they had terrible losses because of large loan loss reserves. A lot of L's there. <laughs> uh, the, f- the first quarter earnings report for the banks uh, are now only a few weeks away, and things look like what we talked about are coming through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's very exciting to kind of look at this this first quarter that, that we're going to get here. But, I mean, if you actually look at the total loan loss reserves, at U.S. banks, it stands at $236 billion. So they're kind of prepared for, you know, they did prepare, I guess, for the worst. Yeah. And things did not pan out nearly as bad as anticipated. So they have a lot in those loan loss reserves. And analysts are expecting the top four banks to earn $77 billion in profits, which is an increase of more than 20% over last year's first quarter. And part of the reason for this is as those loan loss reserves don't need to be used for losses and those loans start actually paying on the interest. You can unwind those loan loss yep. reserves. They come back as earnings. It's going to be a, a big, big benefit to the the banks. And again, we talked about growth earlier in the show. Wow, 20% growth. That, that's pretty awesome, uh, especially for a company that's boring, a value company. But hey, <laughs> we're, we're getting some growth here. And this should definitely help the top banks continue the rise along with the benefit of increasing interest rates. And yes, I do believe interest rates can still increase here from the, the 1.7% level. Yeah, yeah. And it may not move as quickly, could pull back a little bit. I mean, we, we did predict at the end of the year before, like, yeah, actually, 10-year treasury on 1.4, 1.5. Still, that is a more than double from the low, I think, last July of 0.6. So and one thing I do want to point out for people, and again, I, I will do a TV commentary on this and, and, and maybe a post on it as well, is I had one gentleman on social media commented like, I hate the banks because, you know, I, I had a debit card and somebody stole it and they, they rang up like $11,000 in, in expenses and I had to pay. We want to tell people, we've done this before, remind people that we do not like debit cards because there's no limit of liability. As opposed to a credit card, you're limited to liability. It goes to the credit card company, not you. But if somebody gets your credit, your debit card, they can charge stuff, charge stuff, and you're on the hook. And he hates banks for that. And I feel bad for the gentleman. But still in all, it's just like that is your responsibility and you should not be having a debit card. Throw your debit cards away, use credit cards, and pay them off each month. And you get rewards. Yeah, I know. It's it's uh, 
kind of a, a personal finance tip there. Yep. And, you know, oh, I don't want debt. And it's like, well, the nice thing about credit cards, as you said, if somebody steals it, uses it, hey, credit card company, yeah, that wasn't my transaction. Yeah. Good to go. Yeah, exactly. So just a financial tip, because I feel bad for the gentleman. I'm sure it happened to other people. It's not the bank's fault. Switch from debit card to credit card. And I, I did want to point out as well, I mean, I earlier this year, I, I did forecast that the 10-year note would finish the year. And I said I wouldn't be surprised to see it around 1.2 to 1.5%. Mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely exceeded my expectations. But the other thing I, I didn't really factor in, at because I think I made that predict, prediction back in January, was all of this government spending that, that's coming yeah. through. And as that happens, I I really think now my year in target somewhere around 2%. I, I would not be surprised to see it finish between 1.9 to 2%. I mean, it, it's a very real possibility, which would continue again to help the financials and hurt growth companies. And uh, I, I, I think you just got to be careful of that. Yeah, and, and it is so true. I mean, and this is why people say, oh, well, they predict this three, four, five years down the road. I don't really take a lot of crescents to that because, again, things can change like they have now. So, again, we're not going to stick with our well, 1.4, 1.5. Yeah, maybe now we raise it to 1.7, maybe 2% by December 31st. I mean, that's what, six months, seven months? What are, what are we on, April, May? Yeah. I <laughs> March? I can't. We're in March. Um, March, yeah, yeah. yeah. At the end of March. <laughs> it goes by so fast. But, uh, yeah, we got many months to go before the end of the year. So we, we could see a two-year uh, on the 10-year treasury, 2% on the 10-year treasury. Uh, which it would hurt uh, many things. Um, I know the Fed did kind of pull back a little bit, but again, that's short-term rates. That's not long-term rates. They have no control over long-term rates. Yeah, it's all supply and demand there. We, we did a post on that, and I think talked about that last week. And last thing on the banks, and I think we're going to take some calls. They, they did get hurt this last week. I, I do know the Fed did remove uh, what's known as an SLR requirement. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just how much capital they need to have. So it's like, oh, well, I saw the banks. They went down this week. Right. And, I'm not worried about that because, as we said, the banks are in a very strong capital position right now. It might hurt them a little bit short term, but that was something to help them get through the pandemic. And now that I'm going to say we're we're pretty much through it, I I think it is okay that it's been removed. I don't think it's really going to hinder them much. It'll slow them down briefly, but, you know, six, 12 months from now. And again, that's a short term time frame for us, six, 12 months from now. I, I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've seen stuff like that before. And again, it's it's good for the banks. It just hurts a little bit short term. But again, they're with higher interest rates, their balance sheets. Uh, you're going to see probably stock buybacks. You're going to see uh, uh, increasing, I think, dividends and stuff. Yeah. I, I think the banks uh, will do well in 2020 and maybe 2021, which to me is still a black hole. So we'll wait till we get closer. 2021 and 2022. Oh, I still can't get over it. I know, it's 2021. I know, it's crazy. I, yeah, so 2022. So, all right, uh, phone numbers, uh, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and talk to Rose, who's been waiting very patiently for the last, oh, probably 15 minutes here. Rose, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. Well, you're. I'm listening to all your good information, so oh, not you. a problem. Um, I'm wondering about AB uh, is the symbol. It's Alliance Bernstein Holdings Limited Partnership. And, um, it, you know, it looks like they pay a really good dividend, and it looks like a good stock, but I wanted your opinion. Okay. And I do not. I do not hold it thinking of buying it, but... 
wanted to hear what you had to say. You know, I, I got to commend you, Rose, because many times we'll get people to call in and say, yeah, on Friday I bought this company, this stock. What do you think of it? Well, I'm glad you're calling before <laughs> you buy it, you know, not to say our, our opinion is going to be exactly right, but still it's like let me get some more information on it before I do the buy. So, Rose, congratulations on doing that. Coming again is uh, Alliance Bernstein Holdings LP. Symbol is AB. Not a bad start. You got a PE ratio of 14.9 versus 18.7. Price to sales very expensive though. 13.5 versus 2.5. Uh, price to book value 2.6, just slightly above the industry at 2.3. And unfortunately here, no price to cash flow. Uh, now we do see wow, an 8.9% dividend. And they use 97% of their earnings to pay that out. Now, it is a limited partnership, so there are certain rules they have to abide by, but that's still a pretty high dividend with a pretty high payout ratio. So you want to make sure that they're not going to cut that dividend down the road. We do see sales are up 15.8% year over year, double the industry at 79 Earnings per share climbed by 14% when the industry was up 10%. That looks good. Looking at the balance sheet here, we see no current ratio versus 1.3 and no debt on the balance sheet versus 168. Return on equity looking very good, 17.7 versus 11.7. Now this is kind of strange. Net profit margin, 90.6 versus 13.7. And by the way, EBITDA is 100%. So there's something strange going on here that I just can't understand at this point in time. Maybe you got some comments on that, Chase. I've never seen this where a company has an EBITDA of 100%, maybe because of the limited partnership or something, but I'd want to know why that is that number before I bought the company. And then no receivable turnover, no inventory turnover. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so I, I did look at the company, and I, it might have been a different one, or it might have been this one as well, but I feel like we looked at that maybe a few months ago, uh, but it is an investment manager company, mm -hmm. um, and you know they, of course, provide investment services, and the, the thing they do is invest in public equity, fixed income, I don't like this word here, alternative investment markets across the globe. It also employs long slash short strategies, which does concern me because if they deploy too many short strategies, we kind of saw what happened with the likes of GameStop and AMC. It can really hurt those fund managers if they really get caught in a short squeeze. So that that is a concern to me. Uh, the numbers do continue to look good here on on, on my end. I do see a current price of 42.36, 52 week high is 42.93. So that's one area of caution. I, I don't like to buy things when they're near the 52 week high, especially when it's well off the 52 week low of 14 dollars and two cents. I do go out to December 2022. See estimated earnings per share of three dollars and 68 cents. Would give you a target sell price of 61 dollars and nine cents. So that that does look good. But again, I I just I, I get a little bit worried just about what type of business this company is in. I would want to know a lot more about their strategies, uh, how they're kind of servicing clients and so forth. And that word limited partnership is always a, a major concern for me. And, and a couple of things I was thinking too, as you're talking, Chase, is that uh, you mentioned the alternative investments. Right now, everything is going up, everything is fine, no problems. But things start going the other way. All of a sudden, lawsuits start happening. Alternative investments don't look so good and they start suing the company. I did look at the income statement very strange they have no expenses they have a uh revenue of 101 billion dollars or 100 yeah 101 million dollars i guess it is uh and no expenses you, you go all the way down to the only expense they have is provision for income tax of 8.2 something strange with this company rose i, I don't it, know if i'd feel comfortable it might be how the they might have i mean that's the thing that concerns me about limited partnerships is 
it, it's a different type of setup for the organization. So they can have like a, a parent company and then they're a limited partner. And, you know, there's just a different structure that, that I'm, I'm not as comfortable with where maybe they're just receiving income from a source over here and then they don't have any yeah. expenses because this, this company over here has all the expenses and they get this and then they pay taxes on it. it it's just a complicated thing. I know accountants generally don't like when you get them because it, it's it's not the same type of tax reporting yeah. as, as the other ones. I mean, I would say if you are looking at buying a limited partnership, buy it in a, a tax-deferred, a Roth yeah. account. Um, but but even with that, I, I'm still very leery of limited partnerships just because they're, they're a little bit more complicated than just traditional equities. Yeah, and, and, and Rose, are just too many blanks here that we don't feel comfortable with that we can fill in, in the blanks and say, yeah, this is why. And the 8.9% dividend is very attractive, but I, but I just think this could be a, a situation where you invest into it, works fine for, for a while, maybe even years, and all of a sudden blows up and you lose 30 40% of your money because, oh, oh didn't know that was going to happen. So I, I, I would caution you to, to, to stay away from this. Okay, I appreciate that. Let, let me ask you now, a limited partnership is, I mean, you own stock in the company. It's, it's not like a royalty trust where you don't own stock, you just own the royalty uh, portion. But, uh, I mean, uh, this limited partnership is treated differently than a corporation tax-wise, um, and it's more complicated. Am I understanding that correct? Yeah, because, like, Where's the expenses? I mean, what is going on with this? Yeah. How, can, how can a limited partnership have no expenses? No expense. Yeah, is this something that yeah. uh, Alliance Bernstein set up just as a tracking or, or something? There's something there, and it could be great. could be the best thing ever, but I always feel if I can't understand something, I don't want to go into it because I think <laughs> it might be good. No, I want to make mm-hmm. sure it's going to be good. So. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks so much. Okay, Rose, thanks for calling. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Alrighty, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And Chase, I, I hope I do this right because we've not done this in about a year. <laughs> we have a live workshop coming up Thursday, April 8th, starting at 6 o'clock. And at this workshop, we're going to show you how we use the fundamentals that got us through COVID-19 understand the details of calculating our target sell price and what we see happening in 2021 and looking forward to 2022. Now, if, if you've been confused on what to do over the last 12 months and not sure if you should be buying, selling now, what you should be doing, then you need to come and learn about Wilsey's Asset Management's individualized, concentrated value portfolio. Now, to sign up for our website, go to smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can call the office and talk to Janae at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And this will be at Ale Smith, uh, right off of Miramar Road. Or did I say Ale Smith? Ale Smith, yep. Ale Smith, yeah. Just, yeah, I guess Ale is the beer beer part. Yeah. And then Smith, I think, is the gentleman's last name, maybe. No. No? <laughs> okay. I'm I, just going to say Ale Smith. Ale Smith, yeah. Ale Smith. Okay, Ale Smith is what it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, and looking forward to seeing you on Thursday, April 8th. Again, to sign up, it's uh, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office 858-546-4306. I'm so excited to do this because I like talking in person to our people, to our audience, and so forth. And at Ale Smith, uh, you said there's uh, some great beers there. No host on on the beer and the food, but uh, it's going to be there for people. Yeah, it'll be an enjoyable. So if you want to, you know, grab a beer while while you listen to the presentation. Yeah, it's a it's a nice, very nice venue too. It's a, yeah. a great place. 
Uh, you know, they got some good beers. Uh, I actually had a couple last night after uh, <laughs> the game. <laughs> after winning the game. <laughs> yeah, after winning the game. We, we always celebrate at Kaminsky's. But, um, yeah, 394, I mean, you know, for our baseball fans out there, 394 is uh, in memory of kind of Tony Gwynn. Tony is Gwynn. Tony Gwynn beer. Uh, and then, you know, the Speedway Stout's a good one. So, um, you know, it's a great place. If you haven't heard of Ale Smith, you like beer, uh, you like finance, hey, this is this is a spot for you. Even if you don't like finance, you like beer, hey, maybe come check it out. Or the other way around, you don't like beer, but you like finance, hey, you can still come to the presentation <laughs> as well. It yeah, fits everyone. It fits everyone. There is no cost for the presentation. Uh, we're looking forward to it because I have a great time uh, talking with people, talking about our finance and so forth. Again, Thursday, April 8th, starting at 6 o'clock at Ale Smith off Miramar Road. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000. 2000.com. Sign up soon. Seating is limited. It is limited there because of the amount of people that we expect to come. So, all right. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And gosh, I felt good to promote a live workshop. It's just like, wow. I'm going to say getting... one more time. Live, in live. person. We tried the webinars and it just wasn't the same. Um, so we're, we're very excited to, to do this. Yeah, I can actually come and ask questions. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. Let's go out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vest Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you? Hi, guys. Good morning. Um, tell you what, the stock uh, I'm looking at, and it's one that I've I've owned and accumulated over the years. It's T. Rowe Price. Oh, okay. Uh, so I assume uh, over the years you're a long-term investor on it. Uh, you've made money on it. I think they've done very well over the time frame. Uh, so let's take a look mm-hmm. at the T. Rowe Price Group Incorporated. Symbol is T-R-O-W. Uh, not a bad start. P.E. ratio is 17.2 versus 18.7. Price to sales, 6.3. That's very high because the industry is at 2.6. Price to book value, 5.5 versus 2.3. And price to cash flow, 14.4 versus not material for the industry. Now, we do say they pay an, a decent dividend, 2.5%, with a payout ratio of 37%. That's not too bad. Sales are up year over year, 10.5%, above the industry at 79 Earnings per share climbed by 15.1%, above the industry growth of 10%. The balance sheet, I see no current ratio, uh, no debt to equity, so it appears to be a strong balance sheet. Could be because of financial company. I don't know what else I do. I know they do uh, sell mutual funds, but maybe there's other things there as well. We do see return on equity is 31.2 versus 11.7. Net profit margin, very good, 40.7 versus 13.7. Gosh, maybe I'll get in the finance world. Oh, wait, I am. Uh, receivable turnover, 8.2 versus uh, uh, 0.8 for the industry. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here, 4T roll price, $171.85. 52-week high, well, that's $179.62. And 52-week low was $82.51. I go out to December 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share of $12.55. Would give us a target sell price of $208.33. So, I mean, there's still some estimated growth there from the current levels. Um, I'm pretty indifferent about it. I, I don't know. I, I'm not a big T. Rowe price guy, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, John, we don't like to really hold mutual fund companies because a lot of times I don't like what they do. Um, I mean, we compete against mutual funds. But the other thing, too, I, I see going out to December uh, 2023, they expect the earnings to rise. And I'm not sure that's going to be the case because I think, you know, right now for 2021, we've got some a lot of money in the economy. 
things are going pretty well. That could start to reverse in 2022-2023. So I don't know if their earnings are going to keep rising. So I, I do question these numbers. And again, the analysts are you know, projecting out, which is, uh, again, it's a, an estimate. I'm just not sure mm-hmm. if I agree with those because if things do slow down, people will be less, you know, uh, to, to invest. So it could hurt them somewhat. So I, I, I see what the analysts say. I'm, I'm not excited about it, but I, I just wouldn't want to hold it. Yeah. Okay. All right, John. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three and yeah you know I kind of felt the same way when I saw I guess today is the day we look at um, investment companies Alliance Bernstein the same way I, I just don't like what they do many times again you talk about the return of investments I, I just don't want to invest in something that I think could be not doing the right thing for, for their clients and alternative investments are great commission payers they're great like oh it's asset allocation and so forth but they're the old limited partnerships just with a different name on them. That's what they actually are. So yeah. many of them. Yeah. yeah. So already, uh, 8.35. Uh, let's talk to Harrison, our financial planner from uh, Wilsey Assets Management. Uh, today he's talking about uh, tax filing. Distributions were taken in 2020. Uh, make sure to report them correctly. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. good. Now, now, what are we talking about here? Are people going to... Uh, report their them incorrectly that the, the earnings here what, what's going on the distributions so I was um, I was actually talking with a client this week um, we were talking about setting up an appointment for next week to do some game planning for 2021 and taxes and everything but he actually brought up a good point um, specifically for a little segment here on financial planning on the radio show and that is a lot of people out there um, file the standard deduction for the federal side. Um, for a married couple, the standard deduction is 24800 For a single person, it's 12400 And so back in 2017, when Trump did his tax plan, he increased the standard deduction and took out the exemption. So basically what that means is not that many people itemize anymore. On the federal side, itemized deductions now are basically medical expenses, but they have to exceed 7.5% of your AGI in order to be deductible. Uh, Mortgage interest, SALT taxes, which are the state and local taxes and property taxes, but that's limited to $10,000 a year, and then charity. So those are the four um, itemized deductions. And if you don't have enough itemized deductions to get above that standard deduction hurdle, you claim the standard deduction. So again, there's a lot more people now that just claim the standard. However, just because you claim the standard on the federal side does not mean you also have to claim the standard on the state side. So here in California, uh, you know, we have a lot of the same itemized deductions. We've got medical expenses in excess of seven and a half percent of AGI, mortgage interest, charity. Um, there are some other job expenses and miscellaneous expenses subject to 2% of AGI. Um, but, you know, it's very common for people to claim the standard federally, but then still itemize in California, because in California, the hurdle that you have to get over for a married couple is only 9,200 and for a single person, it's only 4,600. And so it's much easier to have enough itemized deductions on the state side to itemize. However, now that we're getting ready to file, um, you have to make sure that you have documentation of all those records so that you can actually, um, deduct them on your taxes. Yeah, it's definitely, a, I think, an important thing <laughs> for people to look at there. 
and I mean, you said it's pretty common for for people to um, do one and and not the other. Any idea of I guess how many people mess that up maybe and, and take just the California standard deduction rather than itemizing? I still think there's a lot of confusion about this because I still talk to people who, you know, give a bunch of money to charity, not too much, but they give a decent amount and I'll look at their taxes and say, you know, you, you file the standard deduction so you don't get any federal tax benefit from these charitable deductions that you're doing. And they're all surprised about that. So there's still a lot of, um, you know, misunderstanding about that. Now, I would say there's probably a lot of times that people, they do know that they file a standard. And so they just think they file a standard across the board, federal and state. And so if they're not keeping records of those charitable deductions, uh, or maybe they're not donating to charity because they don't think it's helpful um, for their taxes, maybe they're not keeping records of it. And if you're not keeping records and give to your CPA or you don't um, claim them when you're doing your taxes, then you miss out. And there's a lot of people out there in California that are in that 9.3% um, tax bracket. So, you know, you want to make sure that uh, with the high taxes we have out here that you're getting all the benefits if you can. And Harrison, once again, I mean, this is very confusing for people. Uh, and again, as a financial planner, you know this stuff. You can work with people's CPAs to discuss this to really help them get the best possible thing. And, and again, I, I, I think you do a great job financial planning compared to a lot of these other guys who are just trying to do financial planning and do investing and everything else so important the knowledge that you have to understand someone's tax situation and, and financial planning and i will also say too the the great thing that that harrison does i mean we, we talk about this is you, you talk about well you know giving to charity maybe some people don't think it's a great thing well they think it's a great thing to give to charity but they don't <laughs> know how to do it and you know benefit themselves as well and you shouldn't do it just for that reason but if you benefit yourself on the tax side you might be able to give even more to charity so it's right. a win-win in, in well, that page but that's I'll that's exactly a good point because there still are ways to give to charity and get the benefit of it you just have to know how to do it and so you know just because you claim the standard deduction doesn't mean you can't benefit from giving to charity there are other things qcds uh, you know, bundling them up together in certain years. So there are still ways to do it. You just kind of have to be aware of how the tax law works. And, and unfortunately, people think a financial planner just invests money. Uh, that's not the case. Again, you're showing another part. It's not just, you know, investing money. It is the charitable giving as well, how to help you on taxes. So many different things for a true financial planner to do. Harrison, thank you very much for the tip today, and you have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. I'm off to Yuma. I'll uh, see you on Monday. Oh, here he is again, going away on the weekend. I'm he's going on work. Him. What's that? He's going on work. Oh, he's wo- oh, you're working for us? <laughs> yeah. On the weekend? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, work hard. I'm going to meet some clients in Yuma. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I like that. All right. <laughs> Have a good one, Harrison. See you Monday, guys. You too. Bye now. The other thing I was going to say, too, um, and then Harrison didn't interrupt me, but, you know, he uh, took over and kind of right. gave some more advice there was, the thing is, a lot of times people think that, oh, the CPA, like, in the, the tax person, I, I don't need uh, the financial planner to help me with taxes because I have a CPA. The thing that a lot of CPAs and tax people do is they look at it after the fact. So it's like, oh, what did you do last year? Okay. And they gather all the information, and then they file the taxes. What we're talking about here with the financial planning is, well, how can we actually make sure that we maximize right. your filings next year? Instead of, okay, how can we maximize your filings after you've done everything? Right. It's, it's almost like we said earlier in the show, you, you call us after buying the stock and asking what you think <laughs> about it. It's the same thing when you file your taxes generally with a you know, 
uh, tax person is, well, give me all the information. Well, did I get do a good job? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's whatever. Yeah. They don't know the full situation like, like a financial planner like Harrison does. And, and some tax people do tax planning. Yes, I don't want to knock all. Yeah, we're not going to. But even when they do the tax planning, they won't know as much as your good financial planner because he knows everything. I mean, he, he spent time with you and so forth. So uh, I, I just think a good financial planner working with your tax person is going to be the best of both worlds. And, so. and I don't want, again, I don't want to knock the, the tax people because that's not their job. Their, right. their job is to do the taxes for you, make sure it's set up properly. A lot of them just don't do the tax plan because they don't have all the information available. So I, 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 a lot of people, I think, get confused with tax planning and, and tax filing. Right, right. So if you want to reach uh, Harrison uh, for a free consultation, you can give him a call at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306 for a free consultation on how a true financial planner can really help you understand. Uh, do better on your all overall financial plan. Make sure that you don't have any holes where, oh, I forgot about that. Financial planner doesn't forget about that. 858-546-4306. All right, phone numbers here. I've got a lot of numbers here to, to put out here. Uh, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And right now, all phone lines are open. So if you try getting through in the past, like, oh, gosh, it's too late in the show. Or I can't get through. They were busy. Today's a pretty slow day. We, we got lines open. 866-577-2473. And I got to do it again. I got to promote this live workshop again because <laughs> this is so unique. It is going to be a live workshop Thursday, April 8th, starting at 6 o'clock in the evening. We're going to show you how we use the fundamentals that got us through COVID-19, understand the details of calculating our target sell price and what we see happening in 2021 and looking forward to 2022. We got so many things to talk about. We will share with you how we manage our money our personal money, and also the money for our clients that we do as well. But you got to attend. It is free. It's going to be at Ale Smith right off of uh, Miramar Road and uh, up in the – is that the Miramar area, I guess it's called? Is that what you kind of call it? I guess, yeah. I mean, it's right off of uh, – it's kind of close to the base right the there. Base, yeah, so. right, right across from the base, okay. yeah. So, And and it is free. Seating is limited. Uh, you got to sign up for it. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That is smartinvesting2000.com. Or you can call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Uh, talk to Janae. And look forward to seeing you at Ale Smith on Thursday, April 8th, starting at 6 o'clock. All righty. Uh, phone numbers. I gave the phone numbers out already. So I, and I see uh, I see he's kind of working. I, I, I see we got a mic in normal heights, but I think he's still I do talking. have a Facebook thing. Oh, yeah, that. that's what it's going to do. What I was thinking, because, I, I, you know, I, I we got this divider between us. And I've got this. I'm colorblind. It's either red or orange line. Orange. Orange. Okay. <laughs> that goes right in the middle. And I didn't see that, actually. I saw part of it. So, yeah, let, let's do the Facebook. Uh, do you, is there something to read on there, Chase? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, a more lengthy one here, but um, – you know, it's an interesting point, and I'm going to kind of give away a little bit of the answer beforehand. I, I don't have a complete answer for you on this one, but it's it's a complicated matter. So uh, uh, Jason uh, did mention he bought MGA, which is Magna International, yep. a company that we've looked at <laughs> recently, like the fundamentals on it, uh, not too long ago. As numbers look good, EV play for a number of EV companies. It is a foreign company. I know you prefer American listings as the numbers are more straightforward. I just received the Magna dividend, but there was 15% withheld due to being a foreign stock. Any chance you can explain this, as this obviously does affect the overall dividend percentage, uh, making it less than it appears. I've seen this before. 
Um, and I cannot remember the answer. I would have to look this up because I, I know because we held Magna for a while, and I remember that. And I and it, it is something to do with the foreign holdings on it, something on the dividend. And I have to apologize, Jason. You, you caught me here with something I can't have off the top of my head. Uh, but you know what? It's on Facebook. We can answer it on well, Facebook. Well, I, I have. Some or do you have the answer? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. Well, let me. Okay, go ahead. You talk. Then why am I talking? <laughs> so, I, and, and again, I, I just don't have all the answers. And this is one reason. Again, we we don't generally like foreign companies. And I, I will say we we have invested in uh, a company like a Magna before because they do have a U.S. presence and so forth. So I, I wouldn't say, oh, don't ever invest in it. it right. This is something that we might make an exception for, but there is that that dividend caveat. And it is just something that foreign companies do is they don't get the benefit of, you know, if you're a U.S. company, you do pay taxes here. Right. So you pay the taxes when you file your taxes on those dividends. Well, you're not filing your taxes in the U.K. or you're not filing your taxes in Canada. So they withhold that money on the dividends to begin with. Now, this is kind of where I don't have a full answer for you. And this is where the taxes get complicated. I generally don't like complicated, so I try and avoid it. But there are different ways it appears to offset it with deductions and credits and, and things of that nature. So you, you might come out okay on it, but it is a complicated, complicated thing. And then I, I was looking on a tax website here, um, just kind of a little bit more information. And they brought up, I was like, well, if you bought it in the IRA and 401k, should that be fine? But, but they point out, given the complexity of foreign withholding taxes, many investors, again, might think it's a good idea to own it in those types of accounts. Uh, however, they say it's, that's not usually the case because most nations still withhold taxes in some retirement accounts. And because of tax-sheltered status IRAs and 401ks, the IRS doesn't allow you to take any credits or deductions for foreign withholdings for these accounts. I say, in other words, you, you could be facing the loss of up to 35% of your dividends with no beneficial U.S. tax liability offset. So just another thing, it's a complicated situation yep. where I would I would recommend speaking with a tax professional because it's just something that we generally don't do uh, is buying those foreign companies. And I, I would say kind of take that dividend with a grain of salt is the, the best advice I could give. Yeah, and it's one reason why, and again, we did like the numbers on uh, Magna, but it's just a, it's another thing too that you have to take into consideration. And, and again, it takes a lot of the benefits. So that that's why, again, we like American companies and let them do you know, operations overseas and take care of all the, the foreign taxes and so forth. But, yeah, it's just something that uh, – that, that, and I think I heard you say up to 35%. Because it varies, varies from country to country. We have different agreements with different countries. So, um, as I said, it, it's, it's complicated. <clears throat> I saw you I mean, look outside. I, I, I've got a reflection on the screen. I don't know where it's coming from, but it's, it's oh. like driving me crazy. And I hit the screen, it gets all wavy and everything. <laughs> Brandon, they put up a new screen somewhere. I don't know for sure. I, I, I've I've uh, lost track of what the station does every single day. I feel like people on Facebook can say it's this right here. I don't remember seeing that before. And on on here, the screen, it's here, it's here. It looks huge. It's just driving me crazy. I'm I'm getting a headache. I gotta, I it looks like you're like at the Back to the Future where you have like all those like TV screens everywhere and you're yes. trying to watch all the programs. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so driving me crazy here. All right, phone numbers eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go down to Normal Heights and speak with Mike. Mike, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Well. I uh, am interested in Cisco. I bought uh, some shares in it about five years ago at 24. 
Mm-hmm. And last year when it doubled at 48, I sold half. So now I'm uh, got my money out and I'm playing with the casino's money, I guess. Okay. And I won, but it hasn't done much in the in the past year or so. So I wondered what you thought about the future of Cisco. All right. Well, let's take a look at the Cisco Systems Incorporated. Their symbol is CSCO. Uh, good start here, Mike. Uh, P.E. ratio is 20.5 versus 37. Price to sales, though, does look kind of high, 4.3 versus 3.5. Price to book value is 71, but the industry is not material. And price to cash flow, also slightly high, 17.4 versus the industry at 15.4. Now, I do say they pay a nice dividend of 3%. They use 60% of their earnings to pay that out. Here could be the problem. Year over year, sales are down 6.8%, worse than the industry, down 1.3%. And the earnings per share for Cisco fell by 13.3% when the industry was down 19.3%. Now, Cisco does have a good balance sheet. they got a current ratio of 1.6% versus 1.8% for the industry. Debt to equity only 37 versus 72 for the industry. We see return on equity is 27 versus 15 Net profit margin, 21 Double the industry at 96 Receivable turnover is 9.8 versus 5.2. Then inventory turnover, 12.3, more than doubling us. You have 5.8. So I like those fundamentals. Chase, what do you see on the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Cisco, $48.98. Uh, pretty close still to this 52-week high of $49.74. And, and 52-week low, well, that's $33.74. I go out to July 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of $3.41. Would give us a target sell price of $56.61. So still has a little bit of room of appreciation there. I, I can tell you, Mike, we, we did look at Cisco, um, I'd say what, late last year, uh, maybe early this year. Yeah, we're looking for a little pullback. Yeah, and, it, good enough. and it's, still, it's, it's a company that, that I think is a, a very strong company. I like, I think, Chuck Robbins, the, the CEO. I think he does a, a great job running the business. Um, but just this price, I, I, I know you think you said you're out of it. I wouldn't buy it here. It is it is something that I always tend to watch because, as I said, I like the company. But um, I, I, I'd be patient with it if you get a pullback. Maybe look at it, but if it climbs higher and you miss it, so be it. I, I don't see it going to 80 or anything, so you're not going to get a 100% <laughs> return or anything crazy like that. But I, I, th- I think be patient with it. It's just one of the uh, big, boring tech companies, yeah. and I, I, I put air quotations around boring because they um, still do some insanely crazy stuff on the technology st- side, but it, it's boring compared to your you know Teslas, your AMDs, your, your Zooms, things right. of that nature. Um, but it, it is a sound company. And I think these are the, the big tech companies that can still do just fine in rising and straight environment compared to the, the aforementioned and, and high flyers. And Chase, you mentioned that Chuck Robbins done a good job. I, I just, uh, John Chambers, who preceded Chuck Robbins, did yeah. such a great job. I mean, I yeah. really brought this, this company high. The thing that I was really disappointed here, Mike, with, with uh, uh, Cisco is they had, and they were the first one to come out with a Zoom-like system. WebEx. WebEx, yep. yep. And it just crickets. Nothing happened with it. Why did Zoom take over? Why didn't? Because Cisco probably be like at hundred dollars a share by now if their WebEx could have done what Zoom did. I, I don't know how they missed that boat. I think they missed it because they they went just from a business perspective where uh, Zoom I think really got the personal side. Yeah. And I, I think that they kind of missed that boat. Yeah. Yeah. That that was just marketing. 
What's marketing. Happening? Yep. Yeah, marketing. <laughs> you're, you're right. Yeah. So they they, they miss that. And my feeling is, had John Chambers been there, because he was a great marketer guy. I mean, he was like, he, he was just you, you love talking to uh, listening to him, to him talk. I think he could have done a better job with Webex, and I think he would have changed it. Nothing against Chuck Chuck Robbins, the current CEO, but I just. John Chambers was a, I think he actually was a salesperson how he started <laughs> there. So I, I think it would have done differently. But again, Cisco's not a, a, a bad company. I know you hold some shares in it. I, I would not sell it. Uh, as, as Jason, I wouldn't buy at these levels if it were to drop down. And I think we were looking, we wanted to get what, like 40? Around 40. 40, yeah. And we would have been excited to get it back at that price. Because we did buy it before, about when you did. We sold it. Uh, probably about when you did, but uh, it, it's just at the current levels, it's a hold. I mean, it, that's the best we can say for it. It's a good business and you get a, a decent dividend. All right, Mike? I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye bye. You bet. All right. That opens the phone line 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Uh, Chase, we got to talk to Brendan because the clock is wrong. It shows it's almost nine o'clock already. It's not been an hour. Has it really been an hour? We got two minutes left. He gives me the, fing- the, the, the fingers. Oh, yeah. The fingers. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the warning. <laughs> the, the warning sign. The peace sign. Not, not those. Not, <laughs> yeah. those. <laughs> not the finger. The fingers. <laughs> so, um, I do see we, we got Art in San Diego uh, and Don in Oceanside. I think Don called in first. You know what? We can maybe start with them and, and Brendan just giving the signal and we'll. we'll Put them on hold through the quick break that we have. All right, let's go out to Oceanside and speak with Don. Don, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brand. Chase, how can we help you? Yes, good morning. Um, this is actually uh, a uh, call, a uh, company that I don't own and I'm really not interested, but my son is uh, an investor, uh, beginning investor, and he bought, and I don't know how much he bought, but this uh, Chinese uh uh, company uh, auto company called uh, with the symbol NIO. Uh, what can you tell me about it? Uh, one question. I mean, why is your son not calling? He should be calling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <right. laughs> so, um, now, when I, I don't know how to answer that one. Yeah. Well, next time, say. Well, next time you want to know, you call the show. Um, but I, but I'm not sure what it is because we got now. You said Chinese company. I don't see anything in China. I see in Cayman Islands. I see an NIO Incorporated, Canada, a NIO Can Incorporated. I mean, I, I'm not sure what company it is. Do you have any idea, Chase? What do you? I, I do know um, just just from previous knowledge on, on this. Uh, I'm I'm looking at Reuters and having some issues with Reuters, but I, I do have some information on um, blanking on it. Uh, <laughs> uh, on Yahoo Finance, is okay. Are the ones I do have some information that yeah. we can look at here. So yeah, so Don, I, I think we'll have to put you uh, you know on hold here because we got the break coming up. So stay with us for a few Hello. minutes. We'll come back and we'll do the rest there for you. Alrighty. Yep, yep. There it is. My timer is good. So okay. Uh, thanks for listening to the first half of the Smart Investing Show. We'll come back with the second half. Phone numbers here: eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. You're all us a Smart Investing Show. Brent and Chase, stay with us. We'll be right back after this quick break.
Alrighty, welcome back to the second half of the Smart Investing Show. Gosh, that, that, what is that, a, a 10 second break there? Well, 15 seconds. Is it? <laughs> okay, I'm not even going to take my headset off. I, I think we have time to talk here during the break, and there's really not much time there. So, all right, uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go back to Don in Oceanside. Don, you still here with us? Yeah, actually, I have a side comment sure. um, that uh, you need to find another drummer uh, for your uh, <laughs> for your uh, your time out there. Is he too slow, too fast? Or what's wrong? What's wrong with the drummer? <laughs> actually, it's the, the the drummer isn't that good. <laughs> uh. Well, and, and I I think actually it is bongos is what they actually are from the Tarzan theme movie. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, with Phil Collins, I think is it. So it's just it's a bongo part. drummer, right? Yeah. But but actually, we I got you. Yeah, we couldn't use the. I used to use many years ago that actual song, and then we got stopped from doing that because of I forget, just rights, copyrights, or whatever. So we had to come up with something close <laughs> to that. So now, if you're a drummer, drummer Dom, maybe we're gonna have you do the, the drumming. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm a beginning guitar player. Uh, well, we'll have you do that sometime for us. <laughs> All right. Well, well, during the quick break here, Chase and I were kind of talking about uh, this company, and and uh, Chase has some information on it. it. It's nothing we're too excited about. We know there. I think Chase, you said the market cap went up above Ford and GM or something. And I, yeah, I mean, so this company, is, uh, of course, again trades in China. That there is an ADR here, so that the current price for Neo is forty three dollars thirty five cents. Uh, Fifty two week low, two dollars and fifteen cents. Obviously, that was the time to buy it. Yep. <laughs> 52-week high is $66.99. That was not the time to buy it. <laughs> but it, it's just a, really, I think a, a hype stock is all it is. And it, it's exciting. Oh, it's EV. And oh, it's in China. Oh, they're going to get all the Chinese consumers that, that need electric vehicles. And it's just, it's way too early in the game to tell. I mean, you look at the, you know, analysts kind of going forward next year. You do see that they're estimated to still lose seven cents, so the company's not making any money. Um, they could be the EV player in the future in mm -hmm. China, but if they're not, this company is completely worthless. I mean, their market cap right now is about sixty-eight billion dollars, <throat> and as Brent said, I, I do believe at one point last year when the hype really got crazy and it did go up to sixty-six dollars a share, uh, it, it did surpass, I believe, GM. It surpassed, uh, you know, Ford. I think it is still surpassed <laughs> Ford. So it, it's just. It's a hype play, and you know it, it's going to be extremely volatile. I see it was up four percent yesterday. Uh oh, the excitement could come in, and then it could go out. This thing could drop back down to twenty dollars a share. Yeah. It could go back to sixty, but it, it's it's really a guessing game. And you know, people think that oh, I can do the research, and you know, oh, it's so exciting, and you know, you read the conference calls, but there's just it's a guess and it's yeah. a gamble okay. is, is all and, I would say. And Las Vegas might be more fun. Exactly. There we go. And, and, and Don, I, I have to ask you, how old is your son? Uh, he's 42. 40, he should know better. <laughs> I, I thought maybe he was like in his tw 20s because what I was going to say yeah, I know. What was some of these guys in their, their 20s and so forth, they're getting the wrong idea of investing in stocks. They're buying these crazy right. things like Neo and so forth. And then when it fails, and it probably will on most of them, they're going to say, oh, stocks are so risky. It's a losing game. Stay away from stocks. Right. It's because they did the wrong thing. So now maybe your son is trying to, uh, you know, take a little gamble here and he understands the risk. 
but it is a very high risk. And and being 42, you said, yeah, I, I think I think he's old enough how to dial the phone and call us himself next time. Yeah. <laughs> but we love to hear from you too, Don. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's head out to San Diego and speak with Art. Art, you're on the Smart Invest with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks. Hey, I'm calling about Morgan Stanley. Uh, symbol is MS. I had owned a stock called Eaton Vance, and Morgan Stanley recently bought them out. And so now I own Morgan Stanley, and I'm wondering if I should keep it or not. Uh, I'm going to say sell because our competitor. That's all we got to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, let's take a look at some Morgan Stanley for you. <laughs> Their symbol is MS. Yeah, because they do have brokers, and then once in a while, like, oh, you know, my broker's at Morgan Stanley. Like, no, you need to be with us. But uh, anyways, uh, good start here on the PE ratio. Uh, Art, it's a PE uh, PE's 12.9 versus 18.7. Uh, price to sales, 3 versus 2.6. Price to book value, 1.8 versus 2.3, and price to cash flow, 10.8. The industry is not material. They pay a decent dividend. Actually, not quite as good now as the 10-year treasury. It's 1.69, which is below the current yield on the 10-year treasury. They use 22% of their earnings to pay that out. Their sales are down 3.3% year-over-year. Industry was up 7.9. Earnings per share did grow by 24% when the industry was up 10%. Now, they are financial companies, so they don't have a current ratio. They get a long-term or total debt to equity of 575 versus 168, but there's other things in there being a financial company, so you got to really dig deep in those numbers to find out if they're really in debt or not, or bad debt. Return on equity is 12.7. That is above the initial 11.7. Net profit margin for Morgan Stanley is 21.5 versus 13.7. And then receivable turnover is only 0.68 versus 0.82. Chase, what do you got for the numbers going forward? So current price here for Morgan Stanley, $82.94, 52-week high, $86.64, and that 52-week low, wow, $27.76. I know they were, of course, hurt quite badly last year, along with the larger banks. Uh, But going out to December 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of $6.58. Would give us a target sale price of $109.23. So, Art, outside of this company being a competitor of ours, um, I would say it's not bad. I think there's some potential there. I wouldn't say, yes, go out and buy it. I think they are keep it for sure. I, I would say maybe just look at it a little bit closer. I'm not exactly sure of all of Morgan Stanley's like revenue streams. I, I know obviously they do have the brokers, the advisors, and so forth. But just curious, I, I haven't really looked in too much detail their exact business line. So I, I'd be curious around that. But I, I wouldn't say there's anything bad with this company. And I'd say there's some potential with it. Yeah, and, and that's kind of one of the same things. I, I know they have brokers, as we kind of joked about. But I don't know what else their business is. They're actually kind of classified as a bank. They have a lot of the same regulations. Yeah. They, they have to report to you know the Senate and Capitol yeah. Hill when there's issues with the financial right. crisis. And, and so. I'm kind of wondering, maybe they're almost like a Goldman Sachs type thing. With more emphasis on the wealth management. On the wealth management. But then I do wonder, too, about, because uh, I think they also do public offerings and so forth. I see that business. I mean, now you have a lot less IPOs that are going through uh, uh, brokerage banks, firms, yeah. banks, and so forth. 
uh, and they're doing that. And I forget the name. Uh, well, they're doing direct, direct listings. Direct listings. They're now. doing SPACs have now been yeah. more. Oh, I hate SPACs. I know. I don't yeah. like SPACs either, but it, <laughs> is, it is more prominent. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, you know, again, we're, we're not excited about it. Um, it's not bad. Uh, what was the target sale price again, Chase? I always do this to me. I know. You, you, went, you went out. I think okay. It's 109. It's 109. 23. Yeah. yeah. So I guess based on the numbers, it, it looks okay, but I, I would have some concerns about the business. And, and really, and I think if we're going to hold it, uh, I, I think our, you really want to look deep into how do they make their money? How much do they make from the brokerage side and the, the management side? How much do they make from other other management money and so forth? So we, I really want to understand that business. I was going to hold it. Yeah. Because the other thing, too, it sounds like ours, is, I'm guessing you did pretty well on it because I'm guessing Eaton Vance yeah. was bought at a premium. And then it looks like Morgan Stanley stock has done pretty well since uh, I don't know when the, the merger closed and you got the stock. But I, I think you've probably done well with it. Um, so it, it, it is something that, hey, you know, if I don't want to hold it anymore, I don't really care for Morgan Stanley. You can sell it. Um, but, you know, as I said, it, it's I think you might be able to tell us like, eh, that, that, that's my advice. Here. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah, I did really well with uh, I did really well with Eaton Vance and uh, Morgan Stanley uh, has, has kind of uh, leveled off since it uh, since they uh, finished the acquisition. But, hey, I really appreciate it. Hey, one more question before I, I get sure. off. Um, you guys talk a lot about the uh, target sell price, yep. um, but I don't hear you talk a lot about the target buy price. Um, could you guys talk about that a little bit? Maybe not now, but later in the show if you get a chance. Sure, and, and we can try to do that. And that is one thing we do talk about at a workshop as well, how we kind of come up with these prices and so forth. It's actually kind of, I almost want to say almost too complex to kind of really go on the radio. Because we, we actually show people how we actually do it, because it is a little, little unique. So I, I guess, Art, you'll just have to come to the workshop on April 8th. I already put it on my calendar. All righty. We'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. Okay. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You too. Hey, you know, uh, I just think of Chase. Maybe maybe Will Asset that management should go public. No way. <laughs> I don't want to deal with all the <laughs> the regulations and no way. No way. Okay, we won't go public. I remember when I first started, I was like, have you ever thought about going public? And you start to learn more about it. I'm like, I never want to go public. And then you could lose the company, too. Oh, that's right. You uh, issue stock. Who and, was I mean, the, uh, the, the guy that actually went to you went to Poway High with him? Uh, he started that uh, social media. Parlor. Parlor. But they never went public. He, oh, they didn't go public. Okay, but he still lost his own company. Yeah. Because the board kicked him out. So, yeah. I, so. I'm, I'm still chief cook and bottle washer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you know, you could have, if, if you give up more than your stock you, and you don't do the voting stock and so forth, it's like right. you could be overrun and kicked yeah. out of your own company. I don't want to yeah. ever do that. Okay. So we won't go public then. All right. Before we go to the calls, I do want to talk about the workshop that is coming up. And again, we just talked to, uh, uh, the last gentleman about it, uh, Art, about uh, the workshop, but it is coming up. We're going to show you. It's going to be April 8th, starting at 6 o'clock in the evening. Uh, we'll show you how we use the fundamentals that got us through COVID-19, understand the details of calculating our target price, and that would include the, the buy price as well, and what we see happening in 2021 and looking forward to 2022, and a lot of other great information there. It is free. doesn't cost anything, but you have to sign up. Go to our website, Smart Investing 2000 dot com that's smart investing 2000.com or call the office 858-546-4306 that's 858-546-4306 and talk to janae and that will be april 8th six o'clock in the evening at ale smith brewery right off of miramar road 
Alrighty, let's see. Gosh, also we got a lot of uh, calls here came in. I think next was, I believe, Lonnie uh, in San Diego. Uh, Lonnie, you're on the Smart, Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. Um, yeah, I have some questions about PVF. Uh, Did you say um, Paul Boy Frank? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, I bought the stock. Uh, I'm not sure, but let me check it out. I, I'm just wondering uh, how's the stock, you know, because I'll be, I'll be honest, I've been doing this like two years, and uh, I, I don't know. I'm not really. I'm on my phone. <laughs> you got somebody trying to get hold of you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they got it for nine Nine bucks. It's at fourteen. You bought it at nine. You said. Yeah. Okay. You're kind of breaking up a little bit, so we're getting. I think most everything you're saying, but part of it. So, so, so you've been doing this a couple of years. You bought this. I, I guess you're not sure what direction this goes. Should you buy it, sell it, hold it? Is that what you're kind of asking? Yeah, I actually, okay. have some I bought for five bucks. Okay. Well, well, let's take a look at the company because I'm kind of curious here. It is an energy company. The company is P. BF Energy Incorporated. The symbol is PBH. Unfortunately here, Lonnie, there's no PE ratio, but that's the same as the industry because, again, it's an energy company. Great price on the price to sales here. 0.12 versus 2.87 means you're not paying very much for the revenue of this company. Same thing with book value. 1.1 versus 2.1. No price of cash flow versus 8 for the industry. They do not pay a dividend. Their sales are down. 38% year-over-year. Industry is only down 30%. Their earnings were down 548%. But compared to the industry, that looks pretty good. Industry was down 1,500%. The balance sheet, unfortunately, it does scare me. You got a current ratio, 1.6 versus 1.2. That is good. What is not good is debt-to-equity of 290 versus 89 for the industry. The company could have too much debt. Return on equity is a negative 59 versus negative 40 for the industry. Uh, net profit margin, negative 8 versus negative 63. We do see receivable turnover is 22.4 versus 6.7. That's a positive. Inventory turnover, 7.5 versus 8. I'm okay with that. What do you got for the earnings, Chase? So current price here for PBF Energy is $14.71. 52-week high, $18.78. And 52-week low is $4.06. Uh, it is a refiner. Uh, I did oh. look it up. So I, okay. I, I generally like the refining business, but I'm a little bit disappointed here. And to go out to December 2022, I do see the estimate is for a loss of 13 cents. So with no estimated earnings, I can't derive a target uh, sell price. Uh, and I do know there's some other refiners out there that, that do look quite strong. I don't know if this is a, because it's a smaller one. It's just a $1.7 billion market mm -hmm. cap. I mean, they don't have the, the scale to kind of help offset some of the costs, like the larger players there. And also, I, I do see the high estimates, $2.13, and the low estimates, $3. I mean, the energy market's just been all over the place. It is a, a very complicated area, but with, with the high debt, I, I think I would, I, I'd be out of this one. You've done well on it. Um, I, I, I just I don't like to take a type of risk like this with a high debt company that's small, and the earnings are, are, are quite cloudy there. And, and, and Lonnie, I think you're on the right track with an energy yeah. company, a refiner. But as Chase said, you've got some money in this one. I don't like the debt either because it's a small company. It could be gone tomorrow. Uh, you may want to switch from a uh, small refiner 
to a bigger refining company that again has a better balance sheet. And I mean, to be completely honest okay. with you as well, it could go to twenty, and it's yeah. like, gosh, what were those guys saying? We just don't want to be very clear. We don't <laughs> like to take the risk on on things like that. We're, we're very conservative with the balance sheets, and, and anytime things like this pop up, we just want to make sure it doesn't go to zero, which could happen if things start yeah. to be problematic for the company. Yeah, and I think you said you've been doing this for a couple of years. So one thing, I'll give you a little tip here is when you're investing you want to be very cautious about not losing money. Because once you lose it, you have nothing to invest. It's going to really hurt your returns. So when we invest our clients' money, we always make sure that we're not going to lose money or reduce the risk as much as possible because we want money to keep growing, growing, growing. And once you, you lose it or lose even 40%, 50% of it, it's very hard to make that up. You lose 50%, it takes 100%, get uh, back to square one. So be very careful on the downside. Okay, Lonnie? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, guys. Hi. Have a good day. You too. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go up to Oceanside and speak with Joe. Joe, you're in the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Mr. Brent, Mr. Chase, good morning. Hey, good Mr. Morning. Joe. How you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great. Um, hey, um... You know, you were talking about a company last week, and it won with the 26% uh, dividend. Mm -hmm. Remember, they, they shipped oil and stuff like that. Um, yeah. They, 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 I think they uh, suspended that dividend, actually. Oh, did they? So they're not, they're not paying that out. But, but, but the thing I was asking about is because before, when I first started following you guys, you used to have a um, $500 million um, market cap. Um, you know, it had to be over that. But now it's $1.5 billion. too small. Are you guys growing that much? Yeah, we, we, we now manage over $400 million. Uh, and back okay. when I first started yeah. doing the show, I was probably managed about a hundred million. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not even sure if it was like 65 million when I started listening to you or something like that. But well, um, there was one time uh, many years ago, it was like I started off with five million. <laughs> <laughs> so good we, old days, huh? Yeah, we have grown our clients' assets very well, and and obviously brought in new clients, so it's it's worked very well for us. Yes, and I will say the other thing too, there <laughs> is a, you know, the, the strategy is always kind of changing and being refined and learning from things as well as uh, we did have a, a smaller company that, that we kind of got hurt on a little bit. We got stuck in it. We got stuck <clears> in <throat> it. But also the other problem was there, there's just sometimes one to two analysts on, on those companies. So you get normally above like 1 billion, 1.5 billion. You, you'll start to see more analysts. We feel a little bit more confident with that. So that's a, a part of the reason getting stuck in it is another part of the reason there as well. Yeah. And Joe, I got to mention too. I mean, again, because you know we talk about managing four hundred million. People say, "Well, gosh, that's not very much for for the size of that firm." People don't realize when they call us, they talk to me or Chase. We don't have any other brokers. We don't have anybody else that you talk to except on the operation side. But but I I I'm the I'll see the CEO of the firm. Then Chase does a lot of the analysts as well. It's just us doing it, and that's the way we love it because we do enjoy talking to people. So that because I know there's competing firms. Oh, we got a billion dollars and so forth. I said, yeah, you got 20 brokers. It's just Chase and, and I. putting it in the S&P 500 <laughs> ETF. <laughs> right? You're not managing the money. So I just want to put that out there since I did tell people that, you know, that how much we have in a management, $400 million, which we're very proud of. It's a lot of money. But still, there's other firms. Oh, yeah, we're a billion dollars and we're $1.5 Yeah, because you got all these brokers and you're just putting in mutual funds. Uh, people, when they call, they're many surprised, many times, like they call, like, is this really Brent Wilsey? Uh, yeah, it's really me. I like talking to our clients and potential clients. And, and the other thing, too, just is kind of talking about getting stuck on it is we, again, like to take a heavy concentration in the yeah. company. We, we always put 6% in the portfolio for people. So, you know, 
we're talking now about putting sometimes 20 million into a particular position. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's our largest holding right now is about 20 million. And, uh, you know, that's where we start. If we bought a company with 500 million, gosh, it, it's hard to get out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So and yeah, a lot of people like that small town feel too. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I just love talking to people and, and when they come in and, and actually they're surprised many times that, well, you're doing the presentation too. Yeah. I'm doing the presentation as well. Cause I like doing the presentation. I like talking to people. Uh, and we, we have it set up to where Chase and I uh, kind of get off track a little bit. <laughs> we'll get, get back to what you called about, Joe. But uh, we like it when people come in and we can talk about the investing side. We know all about the investing part. We know what we're doing on, on you know, the fundamentals and so forth. We do not know how to open an account. That's not what I want to do. I do not know how to. I barely know how to turn on my computer. If I have a problem, I call Brianna. I call, <laughs> I call uh, Janae. I'm like, hey, uh, I don't want to spend any time doing anything other than managing the money and talking to my clients and potential clients. So, all right, Joe. Yeah, and, yeah, go ahead. You know, your dividend strategy too. I'm not sure if I'm, um, you know, uh, I know what it is because you've mentioned it. Um, you know, because I reinvest my dividends. I thought about doing it your way too, but just like, you know, your dividends you don't get a whole lot. So, and you sell it at a certain, you know, sixteen point six percent when you know it gets up there. Why wouldn't you just reinvest it then? Because it's not a lot. It's not like you can buy a lot with that dividend. Why not just reinvest again to sell it all when it hits sixteen point six, anyways? Well, you, I mean that is true, but what you're actually doing is that as a stock pays a dividend, maybe it's trading up fifteen times earnings. Well, now you just bought high. And the other thing too, yes, I'm one company, but we generally hold fifteen to eighteen companies in the portfolio. So now you take that dividend strategy times, we'll say maybe fourteen companies pay a dividend in the portfolio. Now you're generating on a larger portfolio. You could be generating you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars in the cash on a yearly basis, what a shame to put it back into that business that could be overpriced when here comes XYZ company that wow, I'm glad we have this cash to buy that at such a low price. So it's not gonna make a big difference on the short term, but long term, I think it does make a big big, big difference there. Yeah, I mean I, I just yeah, look at it, I look at saying if just make it simple, you have a hundred thousand dollar account and you know, we have some accounts that I would say their yield based off of their initial cost basis could be close to 3%. So mm -hmm. it's like, oh, okay, well, now that's $3,000 a year coming in. So we could have had, let's say, 4% in cash or $4,000. Well, now all of a sudden we got $3,000 in. Now we can do another buy at the end of the year. So it, it just gives a little more flexibility, not to mention kind of getting off topic here, but if we have an income account, it helps kind of fuel the income for those clients. But the growth account, it still is nice to have cash coming in to give us that opportunity to buy a business and also not to mention, too, that cash comes in. Now we can buy more of a business yep. as well. So we just like that that flexibility with it. That's true. Back to Brent's case, though. I mean, it's a, you wouldn't hold it if it was overvalued, the stock. You know, so. Yeah, but we do have a whole category as well. I'd rather take that cash. And you know, we're looking at okay. a, a biopharmaceutical company right now, not a biotech. It's a pharmaceutical company. I'd rather take that, buy it there and kind of continue to, to reinvest it in a company that's like, ah, the target sale price is like 6% away. Right. Yeah, okay, let's, we'll get back to stock, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> we got way off track. Go ahead. Yeah, and, I'm calling, and I'm calling for a, a friend. She doesn't even know about it, but she's working for this company now. It's RKT. And that's Rocket Companies? Yeah, and you know, the only reason is uh, she works there, and, and then, you know, I guess it went public in December of last year. And she goes, oh, I didn't call you because I know you'd probably yell at me this and that. She, goes, they, she got the opportunity to buy the stock before it went public, and she didn't. And I was like, ah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes uh, yeah. that's a, a good thing. So, so since she works, I kind of want to be able to give her some feedback on how it's doing. Uh, is she here in San Diego? 
No, she she moved over to Michigan, I think. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. she can still, I would say she can still call the cell the show herself over there, but I think she's kind of shy about hey, investing. I, it sounds like, right? I started I started Roth for her back in 2014, and she hasn't added a penny to it. <laughs> and now she's just you know called. You know, someone passed away, so she called, and now we start talking about it. And now she goes, "Hey, can you can you tell me how to get into that account that you opened for me and stuff?" You know, so we're going through that. So yeah, I'm not sure if she's, but yeah. When she gets more interested, I'll, I'll send her your way. <laughs> okay. Well, let's try to help you out here on Rocket Companies Incorporated. Symbol is RKT. Uh, good start here, Joe. The P.E. ratio, 14.1 versus 18.4. Price of sales, 2.9 versus 2.4. Unfortunately, no price of tangible book value versus 3.2 for the industry. And price of cash flow, very attractive, 4.8 versus 9.7. Now, their, their sales, wow, up year over year. 204% industry was down 4.4. Unfortunately, that did not flow through to the bottom line. The earnings per share year over year for the last 12 months was down 81% when the industry was up 17. Now the balance sheet got a current ratio not material. That is a financial company. Debt to equity 5,543 versus 207. I believe that's because all the mortgages and how their balance sheets handled. So we can't really say that's a bad number because of what the business does. Unfortunately, I do not see a return on equity. The industry is at 12.4. Net profit margin for Rocket, 58.8. I'm checking to make sure that's the right number. That's what it's saying versus 13.4. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, well, kind of a little bit of interest here, I guess, on, on just the company. I mean, it is Rocket Mortgages that yeah. is the company. Uh, you know, current price is $23.07. 52-week range here. Low is $17.50, and the high is $43. But I do believe this was a stock that got wrapped it, wrap up in the Reddit Wall Street bets because oh, I think it right. was one of the higher short positions. Because I see, gosh, like in February 24th, it was around 20. And then, you know, March 2nd, it jumped all the way up to 41.60. Then by March 3rd, it was back at 28.01. So I think it was just this potential short squeeze because I think they were one of the heaviest, shortest stocks out mm. there. And right now I think it's short position is still pretty high. Percentage of float is still like 30%. So I think it, it kind of got that spike. So I wouldn't be like, oh, my gosh, it, it's so volatile. I think it was just wrapped up in, in, in that kind of craze, not the reality of the company. But kind of looking at the, the numbers here, I do see going out to next year, 2022, Estimated earnings per share is a dollar and eighty-two cents. Will give us a target sell price of thirty dollars and twenty-one cents. So that is favorable. But we kind of talked about the concerns over rising interest rates. Yeah, uh, it would help them from a perspective of maybe making more money off the loans. But they, I guess, it depends on how they function. If they hold the loans, how they make their money off the loans, or they just get paid for servicing the loans. Because if they just get paid for servicing the loans, I am concerned that you're not going to see as many loans because, well, mortgage rates rising, less people will refinance. It's a very simple equation there. And that's what I was just thinking as well because as rates go up, it makes it less advantageous for people to refinance and haven't done it yet. That's so a large pool. That's a large pool, yeah. So, so that's going to go away. So I do see eventually this company having difficulties because if rates continue to go up, uh, less people buying houses, less refinancing going on. Uh, it, and Joe, did she get any before or after uh, the company went? Uh, she didn't get any before or after. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. she may have missed that boat. And <laughs> that's my my feeling. And yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, it, it's 
you can't go back, obviously. But generally, right. if you have the opportunity to get something pre-IPO, a lot of times, you know, you see, oh, wow, the IPO came out. And wow, first day, it's up 80%. Well, that's only for the people like her that had the opportunity to buy it before it actually hit the market. The yep. first trade normally ends up, you know, plus or minus, let's say, 5 10% on the first day where the person that can actually buy on the market there's a yep. lot less appreciation. So generally, if you have that opportunity, I always tell people, yeah, I mean, get into that private thing before it goes public. Because it, yeah. it, it can have a nice And, and especially there. a company this size. This was not yeah. some little little small company. So I, I would have to say she, she missed the boat here, Joe. But uh, try to guide her to something else and get some money added back to that Roth IRA. I mean, what you missing there, you know? So we'll, we'll Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and I try to tell her that's the same thing you just said, Chase, you know. And, uh, you know, but too late now, obviously. Um and uh, she's, yeah, you know, and her sister, her younger sister is now actually works for a firm somewhere up in, I don't know, Sacramento or something like or Frisco or something and where she actually works for, where she's a stock, she buys stock or something like that. Hmm. She's going she's gonna to listen to her sister. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, her sister's been talking to her. I've been talking to her for years and, you know, she was in real estate. And so, you know, she's like, oh, you know, this is a gamble kind of thing, you know, so and she knew real estate and she was making money that, you know, she was an agent and stuff. And so. But hopefully we can uh, get her to do both, if anything. Yeah. You know? well, and we'll have to get them both to listen to the Smart Investing Show. That'll help them out a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll end up talking to her younger sister sooner or later. But, um, but I want to. I appreciate all the time you guys spent with me and uh, all the information you supplied me with. All right, Joe. Well, well thanks for calling, and uh, thanks for listening. Have a good one. Okay. Good. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All righty. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three, and we haven't done a Facebook question lately. I know we got a couple pending there. I don't see the whole thing. Uh, do you see one that? Because uh, I see one just says EPD and one says LMT PE question. Do you have more that uh, you think we should talk about? Um, yeah, so we do have two questions there. They're just companies. So yeah, um, I, I guess we can take a look at uh, Vincent's question here. He says, "Hey guys, could you take a, a look at the numbers for Enterprise Products Partners?" That is the ticker symbol EPD. It's an oil and gas midstream company. All righty. Well, I'm pulling it up now. Enterprise Products Partners LP, another limited partnership Uh-oh. is what we got. Yeah, <laughs> symbol is EPD. Uh, but a good start here. PE ratio 13.2, well below the industry at 39.9. Price to sales 1.8 versus 2.4. Price to book value, 3.2, also below the industry at 4.1. And again, valuation ratios, you want them lower than the industry average. Now, they do pay an 8% dividend, but they use 104% of their earnings to pay that out. That cannot sustain itself. Something has to happen. Either earnings have to rise or the dividend will have to be cut. Sales year over year were down 17.1%. Industry down 5.6%. And earnings per share fell by 17.8%, but the industry down 41%. Look at the balance sheet, current ratio 1.1, that is better than the industry at 0.7. Debt equity 122, which is about our limit that we'll take on the debt side, and that is below the industry at 130. Return on equity 15.3, that's very good, especially compared to the industry at 6. Net profit margin 14.3 versus 5.9. And then we do see receivable turnover is 5.6 versus 7.1, and inventory turnover checks in at 6.9. Not quite as good as the industry at 8.2. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for EPD was $22.49. 52-week high, $23.71. 
and that 52-week low is $12. I go out to December 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share of $2.08. That would give us a, a nice target sell price here of $34.53. So, I mean, the numbers look pretty good on it. Uh, the debt you said is a little bit high, not terrible, mm-hmm. but uh, again, it goes back to limited partnership and just my uncomfortable feelings with uh, buying limited yeah. partnerships. And also, you brought up before on the other one, uh, where we can bring this up again for for uh, Robert as well, is that with the uh, this partner, one's for Vincent. Oh, Vincent, I'm sorry, uh, for Vincent, uh, that the uh, the taxation on those are different. Yeah. So if you're in an IRA, it doesn't matter, but outside the IRA, you could be in surprise for tax. Surprise, I would recommend talk to your tax expert before you actually bought those as well to find out how it's going to hit you tax-wise. All right, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's out to Mira Mesa and speak with Richard. Richard, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Um, hi, how are you guys doing? Good, how are you doing, Richard? Good. Um, I, I had two quick tax questions I'd like to ask you. Okay, now we're not uh, tax experts, but we'll we'll try to help you out here or point in the right okay. direction. Okay. Um, first one is the 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 uh, for 2019. Do the two COVID stimulus checks have to be uh, claimed as income on our on our 2020 taxes? In other words, the $1,200 uh, stimulus and the $600. Do, do we have to claim those on is uh, on our, our taxes? Oh, go ahead, Jason. oh yeah, and it um, you know I think you're you're like us there, Richard. Think it's 2020 right now, but yeah, <laughs> I want to make sure it's 2020 21. stimulus, not 2019. Uh, but the 2020 stimulus, uh, no, the 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 checks that that were received were actually looked at as as like a tax credit, so they're, they're not taxable to you. Um, there are questions that are normally asked to make sure you got them because I know some people didn't even get their check, but they should get that back in the form as a tax credit. Uh, when when they do get their their taxes done, so okay. short answer okay. is no. Not uh, but, okay, good. Yeah, because we didn't I didn't get any ten ninety nine on it, so well that's good. Okay, the other uh, question has to do with the standard deduction um, uh, for twenty twenty. Um, I heard on the radio that if you uh, if you file the short form, in other words, if you don't itemize and you're over sixty five years of age. You get a twenty-seven hundred dollar uh, uh, standard deduction. Is that true, or it, do you know? I don't want to give you a firm answer on right. that, um, just because I'm not a tax expert. There, I, I have heard that as well, um, and it's an excess, of course, of your normal standard deduction, where, where you get kind of a, an added benefit um, being a little bit older there. So I. I do believe that is the case, but I, I don't want to give you a yes or no on that. I, I would recommend uh, talking with a tax expert, but I believe that is the case. And, and, and Richard, yeah. do you have a person that does your taxes for you or no? Yes. Yeah, well, I, yeah we do have a, a, a personal friend that we've had for many years that, that, that uh, does the taxes. Okay. And, and, I, the, the standard deduction, as it is right now, if I'm if I correct, <laughs> isn't it 20, uh, 24, about $2,400 or tw- uh, $2,800? Are you aware of what that is? The standard deduction at the, the federal level, and I don't have the exact numbers for it, a single person's like 12000 and then a, a married couple is uh, double. If you file jointly, it, it's double that amount. Okay. And we, and we will okay. encourage you to check our answers with your tax professional yes. <laughs> or, 
Don't want to get myself in trouble here. Right, right. <laughs> we are not trying to help guide you, but right. yeah. we're trying to give you guidance. But again, for a firm answer, you, you can also call our office if you want to and talk to our CFP, uh, Harrison Johnson, who again is very knowledgeable on the tax side as well. But if you got your own tax person, he knows a lot more about your situation. I, I probably would talk to him uh, first because he may say things that uh, your situation could be different that we don't even know about. So, Where, uh, aren't you located uh, in the uh, in the Mira Mesa area? We're over uh, right off of um, uh, Scripps Ranch Boulevard uh, in that the, the old Geico building right off of 15 next to oh, the yeah, okay. furniture. Yeah. Okay. And what, and I'm sorry, what, what's your company's name? It's what do you go? Yeah. I have smartinvesting2000.com is what I wrote down. Yeah, that, but, that, that's the easiest way to get to our, our website. Uh, but the, the name of the company is Wilsey Asset Management. That's the name of the okay. Yeah. All right, you guys. You know, I, I so much appreciate you uh, taking taking my questions, and I, I will double check that with uh, with our accountant. Okay, Richard. Well, I appreciate your call. Okay. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. All right. That does open the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And I, I did just kind of Google it because I was curious. Yeah. Um, and again, this is not tax advice, but uh, it says taxpayers who are at least 65 years old or blind can claim an additional 2020 standard deduction of 1300 Uh I don't know why it says or blind. <laughs> like that's or a blind. weird provision to add in there. Well, you know, like, I guess if you were 60, maybe yeah. you get to 1300 But if you're if you're not, you're 65, you get, you get the 1300 but you don't get both. So if No, you can get both. If get you're both. like 68, it looks like you could get, uh, if you're 68 and blind, it looks like you get a double standard double deduction okay. on top I, of that. But I it, thought it, I heard you say or. It is. So it's like if you're 50 and you're blind, then you get the 1300 standard deduction. But it looks like if you're 65 or 66 and blind, you get like $2,600. I'm just saying it's really weird that Without they threw in yeah. blind. Like what about deaf or what about? paralyzed like blind is such a weird provision <laughs> you, you know and it's funny because that's always been there in the taxes i mean many 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 years ago i used to do taxes as well and, and i remember that it was always 65 or blind blind was a thing in there but you're right why not a deaf person why did why do blind people get advantage that you know or paralyzed person does it? i, I just know, I yeah i understand the age thing and yeah. it's like i i think that i mean blind obviously it's a very difficult disability yeah but it's, it's just weird that it's thrown in there as a, a separate thing. Yeah. And, and completely just, off topic. And just, and just blind. Yeah, <laughs> off topic, but an uh, interesting question. Yeah. So, all righty. Uh, we got a workshop coming up on Thursday, April 8th. That's only a few weeks away. Going to be at 6 o'clock at L. Smith Brewery right off of Miramar Road. We're going to show you what we used uh, uh, fundamentally, how to get us through COVID-19, why we did so well, why our customers stayed the path, because we had something to hold on to. We're going to talk about the details of calculating our target buy and sell price for you and what we see happening in 2021 and looking forward and what we see happening in 2022. So if you're confused on what to do over the last 12 months, not sure what to go forward, this is a workshop that can really help you kind of put your feet on the ground as we show you what we do, everything we do in managing our portfolio and actually our own personal money as well. It is free. The workshop is free. Six o'clock, April 8th. That's a Thursday at Ale Smith, but you got to go to the website to sign up. Smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com or call the office 858-546-4306. That's 
646-436-4306 and talk to Janae about signing up for that. Alrighty, let's see. Let's go up to Temecula and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Bachelor, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, Brett Chase. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure, good morning. I'm, I'm looking at looking at utilities, and I'm you know I want to maybe get into two or three, and I'm down to about ten, and I'm looking at PPL, uh, which is uh, based back east. Okay. And, and um, I'm, yeah. And I heard you say something. Get down to ten, but I, I didn't uh, catch the whole thing you were talking about. No, I'm sorry. They, uh, they're they're back east. Uh, you know, the, the the utilities on the east coast. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm down to I'm down to ten stocks. I'm looking at right now. Okay. To, you know, I'm trying to get into maybe two or three utilities, and I'm I'm paring it down as I'm kind of doing some research. I got you. Okay, so you're down to ten. So you're looking at a couple different ones here. So you don't own PPL yeah. Corporation, correct? No, looking to get into it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a look at the PPL Corporation. Their symbol is PPL. Pretty good start here. PE ratio is 15.5 versus 36.6 for the industry. Price of sales. 3 versus 2.5 price to book value 2.4 about the same as the industry at 2.37 and price of cash flow does look good at 8.1 well below the industry at 22. Now, i see you got a 5.6 percent dividend here company does use 87 percent of their earnings to pay it out that sounds high but generally utilities don't have as many capital expenditures so they can pay more out in their dividends unfortunately sales are down 2.1 percent Industry down 2.2. Earnings per share fell by 19.6% when the industry was down 3.9. Look at the balance sheet. We've got a current ratio of 0.5 versus 0.7. 0.5 just kind of starts worrying me because it means they don't have a lot of liquidity. If things go a, a, a bad direction, they could have problem paying their bills. And they do have quite a few bills. they got a debt to equity of 185 well above the industry at 136 and and utilities you're generally known for more debt but 185 is really on the high side return to equity is 11.1 versus 5.5 net profit margin checks in at 19.3 versus 6.9 and receivable turnover is 9.1 versus 7 inventory turnover 9.3 well above the industry at 3.6 chase what about the earnings going forward yeah, so I, I did check this company because i was curious what type of utility it is it is a electric utility and I was reading in Barron's a couple of weeks ago, actually, they talked about how electric utilities actually could be a benefactor from this this green energy shift. And how is that? And I don't think I, I think I missed that column. That article. Yeah, it was just the, the concept, the theory that, you know, if you're using less gas and while you still use fossil fuels, of course, to make electricity, right. you're still going to need more electricity. So it, it should be a, a benefit to these companies. And I, it's not going to be like. I'm going to say like these solar companies or these electric car companies where you're going to get these 200% gains right. and, oh, it's it's this crazy stock, like a plug power type thing. But I, I think the theory was interesting. Uh, um, you know, it, it could help generate a little bit more in terms of their, their revenue stream as, mm -hmm. as more people need to use more electricity to, to charge their electric cars and, and things mm -hmm. of that nature. So I, I, I do think the electric utility space is interesting at this time. Uh, it is also interesting that this company is in the United States and the United Kingdom, so that they do have some some business out there as it operates electricity distribution networks in the UK. Um, I figured most of the time utilities were, were pretty much here in the United States. But talking again about the numbers for PPL Corporation, 
Uh, current price is $29.59. 52 week high, well, that's $30.94. And 52 week low, $18.12. If I do go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $2.59. Would give us a target sell price of $42.99. So it still looks to be a little bit undervalued, but that that debt is, is my, my hold up here, John. And the other thing too, John. Yeah, Chase, Chase, on that debt, you know, um, I just uh, a, a little filler here is that they, they've just gone into an agreement to sell the UK business oh. and they've purchased additional electric in the US and the net of that, they pay over they, they got way more than they should have for the for the sell and they paid way over than they should have for what they bought, but the net's gonna be about four or five billion to the good. So and they're gonna use that to pay down the debt, and that's why I thought maybe it was a good play. Well, knowing that information, that could change it because you're yeah. right. If they use that four or five billion dollars to pay down debt, that will change your debt to equity. It will look much better. Uh, so that that's a big positive there. Um, one thing I do not like to do is buy companies close to the 52-week high, which this is. I don't feel like I'm getting something, yeah. but I, I would definitely out of your ten, I would definitely put this as a good possibility. Already. Yeah. Hey, uh, Brent. Also, I had a quick question, if I could, on sure. on dividends. Uh, since you had, we were having that conversation earlier. When to kind of how to value uh, evaluate a dividend? So, for example, I got into BGS, you know, in the March collapse, and so I have an effective dividend rate of about seventeen or eighteen mm-hmm. percent of my capital invested. But the the the, the positions tripled. So, so you know, of my total capital, I'm probably at a six percent, but my invested capital, I'm like at an eighteen percent dividend. How would you evaluate that if you're looking to either sell or hold, or uh, do you always look at just the invested capital, or do you look at the overall capital? Well, I, I think if I understand you, you're talking about the the dividend yield and how much they're using their earnings to pay yeah. out. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Would you have to kind That's of look right. at them because it, even if the stock were to triple, it wouldn't change the payout ratio. Uh, that the company's paying for that and also their cash flow. So you got to kind of get beyond what the stock did and say, well, what is the company doing? How much of their earnings are they using to pay this out? If it's too high, uh, and congratulations on the triple, but the dividend may be too expensive. And I, I think I might be understanding your question a little bit different here, John. So I'm, I'm going to take a, a stab at it. Is um, The answer is I think you can look at it both ways um, because your, your initial – investment yeah that's the yield you're getting because if you would have bought a bond let's say well your yield is still let's just say three percent it's never going to fluctuate so it's good to kind of look at it that way but also you're right now if you um have that current capital yeah you're getting a six percent yield on that current capital so it's kind of just two different equations to look at Mm -hmm. because another way you could look at it is and i'm not saying to do this but you could take that current capital and buy something that's yielding eight percent well, now all of a sudden on your initial investment, well, now your yield's even higher. So it's just kind of like a different yeah. way to look at things. To simplify things, we mm-hmm. just always look at the total return. So your money tripled, how much you get in dividends, that was the total return you received on that type of investment. You know, 20, 30 years from now, this was the total return that that, that particular portfolio has had. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, and we actually look at the different way too is when you buy a stock at a low price and over years increase the dividend. Well, the yield increases. Yours actually decreases because the stock went up. But again, that's two different things you're actually kind of looking at. So, but I, I would yeah, I, I still think the stock has got more to run too. So it's it's kind of confusing me a little bit. I think it's got like another ten bucks in it. So do, do you, you know, know so the, uh, uh, do you know what the Ford P is P E is for the stock right now? Ford P E. Um, you know I don't right now. Um, I'm, my guess is it's probably in the 
seventeen range. Okay. All right. Yeah, that, that could be kind of high. That's generally when we start selling. So, but uh, you know what? For another phone call, maybe call back on that company next time. Yeah, BGS. Yeah, it's a good company. Yeah. Thanks. All right, John. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Good luck out there on your choice. Right. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. That opens the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out to Alpine and speak with Tim. Tim, you're on the Smart Investor Brand Chase. How can we help you out? Hey, good morning, guys. It's Jim, and uh, calling you once again to seek your wisdom. It's uh, it's interesting that a lot of questions this morning have gone in the direction of dividends. Uh, I am a dividend investor, and uh, in addition to giving me a little read on AT and T symbol <clears throat> T this morning. Um, what I'd like, if you would, is a discussion about how to determine the strength of a dividend stream. I mean, I'm kind of of the opinion that, uh, and I'd like to figure out a way to research this, that a lot of the board of directors' compensation is based on dividends that get paid out. And uh, in the case of, like, a dividend aristocrat, I bet there's a certain amount of ego in the board about continuing to stay on the list. And yep. You know, therefore, drive the fact that the checks get paid and run the company in a way that ensure future checks. Yeah, and we'll, so, we'll, we'll run over. That, I would appreciate it. Yeah, we'll run over the numbers as well because that's the other thing too is that the board should be looking at the numbers on how what dividend they can pay. So we want to kind of do that, and we're very familiar with AT and T. But let's do the numbers first and kind of talk about the dividend and the strength of the dividend and what we sure. see happening with the dividend. Coming again, it's AT&T, symbol is T. Unfortunately here, uh, Jim, no P.E. ratio versus 20 for the industry. Price of sales, 1.2 versus 1.9. Price to book value, not material, same as the industry. Price to cash flow is 8.7 versus 6.1. Now, they do pay a 7% dividend, but the dividend payout ratio is not material because they don't have earnings. And that right there alone, first of all, kind of worries me. Where are you going to get the dividend from if you have earnings? Are that's going to change? We do see the revenue is down 5.2% year over year, but the industry is down 0.6%. Earnings per share fell by 140% year over year. Industry is up 26%. So again, their earnings are falling. That does worry me on the dividend. We do see on the balance sheet, well, current ratio. That, that's, interesting. that's interesting that no dividend earnings are reported, but somehow they found, figured out that they've fallen. Uh, well, you could still have like, if you have a loss of five and it goes to a loss of 10, it's still a decline. Yeah, okay. remember it's a year over year over the last 12 months. So um, then yep. on the, the balance sheet, also very important you're paying dividend. Now they got a current ratio of 0.8 versus 1.07. Tells me they don't have a lot of liquidity uh, on the balance sheet. Debt to equity does, does look good, 97 versus 253. Return on equity, a negative three versus a positive 18.9. Net profit margin, a negative 2.2 versus 9.5. Again, you're losing money here. That kind of worries me at the bottom line when I'm considering. Again, and I want the board directors to look at all this stuff. And that's what they should be doing. And again, you talk about the egos of being on the dividend aristocrats. I want them to look at the financially. Can we afford to pay this dividend without destroying the company? These are all things that the board should be looking at before they say yes or no to raise the dividend. You see, we'll turn over 7.4 versus 7.2. Now, Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward on AT&T? Just sort of start here. Current price is $29.76. 52-week high, less $33.24. And 52-week low is $26.08. And 
I do believe that AT&T's dividend will be fine. And, and the reason for that is all the numbers that, that Brent did just discuss with the earnings and so forth, that's all on a gap basis, which, again, we do want to take into consideration. But you have to understand, well, why were those numbers so bad? And I don't have those answers for you, but I can tell you that the non-GAAP numbers were $3.18. So I would want to look at the cash flow. How was the cash flow last year? Because I, I know AT&T did have or has had a lot of acquisitions. And I know a couple of weeks ago we talked about how they they're, um, were able to kind of sell that direct TV unit. Well, I'm curious. I bet you they're going to have to take another goodwill hit on that because I think they way overpaid for DirecTV and did not get out what they uh, projected their cash flows would be. So that's going to be another goodwill hit, but that's not a not that's a non-cash expense there. I do want to look forward as well to give you a target sell price, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about the dividend. But going to December 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of three dollars and twenty-three cents. It does give us a target sell price of $53.62. And, you know, the, the issue we've had with AT&T is just the complexity of the business. It's very, very complicated with all the acquisitions they've done and uh, the different businesses they're in. I mean, the numbers always look pretty good in terms of the dividend. The balance sheet's improved substantially. It's just those intangible assets that have been a, a major concern for us to actually pull the trigger and get into AT&T. And, and, Jim, I did pull up the cash flow statement. <clears throat> and, again, Chase is right because – Looking at the cash flow from operating activities for the last 12 months, uh, I see $43 billion in cash flow. This is down slightly from a year ago, $48 billion, but they have the cash flow to pay out that dividend. So I think that dividend is safe as well. And that's why you got to look at many different factors. You can't look at one thing saying, oh, the dividend's going to be cut or all oh, the dividend's safe. You got to do analysis of the whole thing. By the way, they have $28 billion just in depreciation. So that's a non cash expense. So their dividend, I believe, is very safe. But one thing you don't want to do is buy a company the dividend paying, was it 7%, but yet the stock declines 10%. You're going to go backwards. So that's why you got to really – and before we invest in any company, I mean, we've looked at AT&T a little bit. It's, you know, 10, 15, 20 hours of research because there's so many different factors you have to look at. You can't make a quick judgment. And as far as the board of directors go, I hope they're looking at the same thing we look at can we pay this dividend? The answer should be yes in this case, but hopefully they are doing that. Not all the times they do it. You're right. Sometimes the egos, I think, get in the way. Yeah, like I, I'm going to pull out Exxon here. I think Exxon it has that dividend aristocrat ego where I think they're missing opportunities for total return on the business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I look at sure. a company like GM. Uh, I'm going to say I think GM kind of lucked out a little bit on their dividend because they did suspend it last year and used COVID as, uh, you know, a, a viable excuse there. But now they're not bringing it back because they're investing so much more into the, the future of the business. I do agree with that decision, but I think a lot of investors, if there was no COVID, would be quite frustrated with that. Yeah. And um, it comes back to the idea of total return. And I, I do think that GM's on the right track, but I think Exxon trying to pay out that dividend to make those income investors happy is making a mistake because they could really jeopardize the business five to ten years from now. So it, it's it's a balance that they have to kind of incorporate. That's why we don't just look at the dividend as a singular item. We want to look at the overall business, and, and sometimes we, we disagree with the board of directors. Yeah, so you're saying that Exxon uh, did the ego thing at the expense of perhaps the stability of the company. Exactly. Yes. I mean, you, you could take on debt, and all of a sudden – 10 years from now, if they can't repay that debt or their interest payments are so high, it's like, well, now our business is doing okay, let's say, but we can't actually give our shareholders much more return because our interest expense is so high. We've been borrowing for so many years, and now we have this big 
debt repayment, and now interest rates are back at six percent. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? It's terrible. You know? yeah, yeah. So it, it's. I, I, hear, I hear that. All right, Jim. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Um, yeah, I just uh, I still own my GM stock. I didn't sell it when they stopped the dividend, but uh, you know it's. Um, yeah, and they, they you guys have, have some nice things. To, you guys have some nice things to say about it that I don't hear anywhere else. That's great information on that score. Thank you for that as well. Well, thank you for being there. All right, guys. We'll uh, carry on, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right, you too. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, I want to talk about the workshop. I mean, what a great show today. We've had a lot of great callers, a lot of great uh, topics to discuss and so forth. And these are the things we do at the workshop. I mean, we talk about everything we do and, and, and how we do things. And people, y- you get so much more information from the workshops, not because we can't do it here on the radio show, but because we can show you more. We actually have it on screens and we can help you understand what we do, and it, and it's, it's it's all free. We don't we don't charge for for the workshop at all. We go over all the fundamentals. We go over the buys and sells, uh, other things too, like why you shouldn't maybe be investing in other areas. We don't say don't invest in mutual funds. We'll show you what's going on in mutual funds, things you may not know behind the scenes. We will talk about all these things to to show you where you should be investing and where you shouldn't be investing. And not just why, or I mean, not just you shouldn't be investing, but why you shouldn't be investing there. We'll explain it to you. It is free. You got to go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or, or call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Talk to Janae. It will be Thursday, April 8th, starting at 6 o'clock in the evening. We will have no host beer and food for you. It will be at Ale Smith right off of Miramar Road. We'd love to see you there. Yeah. And again, I said it earlier, but really just looking forward to getting back out there and, and seeing people, not on the computer screen, but in person. In person, yeah. And and, and we still can't shake hands yet and, and I guess get too close to people, but we can still see you and you can see us and talk. And and uh, and again, you and I, we'll let you have a beer while you're, yeah. Going through the presentation. And also we, we can answer questions, which yeah. which is one of the things that we weren't really able to do on our webinars, you know, get to talk to people and be a little bit more interactive. So that that was always the part that I really enjoy is, is mm-hmm. the different questions people have after the presentation. Yeah. Yep. And by the way, sitting is limited, so don't delay. Uh, get signed up soon uh, at our website, smartinvesting2000.com. And, and again, what a great show. To, I mean, I can't believe it's two hours already. Yeah. I mean, I... I'm a little tired, but <laughs> well, yeah, because after you win last night, I think you went out and partied a little bit. Uh, not party. I had dinner and uh, a, a couple beers. But <laughs> at ten o'clock at night, I was I was. Oh, I got home at one. twelve. Yeah, yeah I was, see, I was tired. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, it's time to go. <laughs> no, Brenda looks kind of tired. There, Brenda, what time did you go to bed last night? Uh, ten o'clock. It was. I, I was watching a movie. So okay. Yeah. What, what time do you get here in the morning? I get here at like five in the morning, oh, so wow. it's pretty early. Yeah. Okay, and I, I feel bad for me getting. Wait, is that the music? Yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for information person only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Please visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information along with investment tips, Go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters Refinitive. Closing song, Frank Sinatra's My Way, is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.